I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this on Monday, June 21. I know we say it every week. I Every week. Every single week. People, everybody's probably so tired of it, but I think it's <laughs> just the fact that we say the date out loud, then it makes me realize the date and it just flies by. Somehow I forgot that Memorial Day has already happened and I was like, oh, that's got to be coming up soon. Done and gone. Yeah, that, that was a month ago. Yeah. Whoops. We are almost to the 4th of July. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? And I remember when I was a kid, that was kind of like my midsummer. It's like, oh, summer's halfway over at 4th of July. Which is so funny because today is the first full day of summer, right? That's true. Yes. It, how do you know that? Because yesterday was the solstice. Yes. And you attended a solstice party. That I did. Is that your first one? No, I, I've been to some other um, shindigs relating to the solstice, but it was it was my first um, post-vaccination, and so that was really lovely. Aw, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, so what is that? Most sunlight of the entire year, right, yeah. in a day. Well, I got to say, so my cat woke me up at 5.30 this morning, and the sun was already streaming through the windows. So we definitely got it on that side. We'll see how late it goes tonight. Yes. I know. I keep wanting to do, we got a projector to do movies outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just seems like a fun summer thing to do. But when it doesn't get dark till 9, 930, I'm like, my kids can't stay up that late. No, that's like an adult thing. (laughs) That's an adult thing. Yeah. But good news, the pool is up. (laughs) I know our listeners have been on pool watch for weeks. Um, <laughs> let's be clear. Brittany does owe me $20. She lost that bet, but it is finally up. Um, a dinner up Chipotle. Is that what you said? You're like, you could just take me to dinner at Chipotle and we'll call it even. <laughs> Love a good burrito. Oh, that's hysterical. Yes. Pool is up. We're open for business. We're taking applications for memberships. And you just said the late night movie time. I'm thinking about doing a float and flick. Float and flick. That's lovely. Don't you like that? Well, I've got a surprise. Uh Uh-oh. What is it? I got us pool toys. (gasps) You put your drink in it? Yeah. Yes. The, the unicorn, obviously, for the nonprofit reframe. All of our nonprofit unicorns out there. Oh my gosh, a unicorn floaty drink holder. I also in have a palm tree. A palm tree. I've got donuts. I've got all kinds of drink holders. I think I have enough for us to have like twenty drinks floating in the pool. How big do you think this pool is? <laughs> <laughs> there will be no room for humans, just drinks. <laughs> Maybe we can make a game out of it. Maybe it's like go fish and you put different drinks in it and then people have to fish for it. Whatever they get, they get. It's like a fair game. It's a f- Because 
if you know me and how I love all things Americana, I fucking love fairs. And I that's right up my alley. I'm going to do it. And we're not going to have a Boulder County Fair again this year. So you got to make your own. It is my dream job to revamp that fair. To revamp put, it? Yeah. Why? It's shit. There's <gasps> so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I, Boulder County Fair staff are avid listeners. They're going to be so pissed. They are? <laughs> Just saw the, <laughs> the blood drain from your face a little bit. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> um. Well, I there was a time when I actually wanted to write a how-to book on fairs. And it's called These Carney Hands of Mine because I have abnormally tiny hands. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of a pet project of mine. Oh, my God. So if they're listening and they just want some ideas, I've got some ideas. Call Brittany. So much potential. So much potential over there. But, I mean, you're from the Midwest. I'm sure you have attended some, like, really amazing fairs. Yeah, I guess. Fairs are not my jam. It's hot. It's dusty. There are children everywhere. Like, there's just nothing about that that's going to be like neon on a Saturday night. Yes, please. Mm. Well, I've been to some phenomenal fairs, small town fairs even, you know, smaller than Boulder County. And I just feel like there's room for improvement. That's all I'm going to say. Great. We will make sure to send those notes over to the Boulder County Fair. They, they can maybe edit my manuscript. Perfect. So now you want free labor from the people you're calling out publicly. Perfect. Oh, what did you do this weekend besides your solstice party? Um, well, I had a lovely strawberry harvest from my garden. Um, I saw that. Delicious. Were they delicious? They were. And... By doing so, I also discovered that I'm allergic to strawberry leaves. So what does that look like? It looks like a real bad rash all up and down my arms where they were touching the leaves. I think it's just a really like fun thing to continue to learn new things I'm allergic to at my age. I yeah. thought I had accomplished all of them. Like I knew what to avoid successfully after being hospitalized a couple times, but no. There are still things I'm allergic to and I don't know about it. And it's just, it's, it's a wonder, really, my body. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> Is it like a, a poison ivy type rash? Itchy? Yeah, like a ton Pussy. of little bumps. Um, luckily, I do have prescription hydrocortisone. So oh. knocks it back real well. Um, and it's not too bad anymore. But it, it was, um, it, it was a, a real discovery on Saturday that I I enjoyed having. Mm, That's sarcasm. As my kids would say, are you doing sarcasm, Nia? (laughs) (laughs) We have had strawberries in our yard for a decade. I'm realizing I'm not usually the one to do the full harvest, right? Like I might go pick one here or there, but like that's my husband's jam. (laughs) Pun intended. Pun intended. But this was the first time I really like dug in and got like a whole bowl of strawberries out. Um, And I was inside like an hour later, just like itching. And all of a sudden I looked down. It's just like bumps from wrist to elbow. 
Cool. So what what I'm curious about is when you harvest those and eat them, are you a purist? Are you just eating them raw? Or are you putting them on something like shortcake or ice cream or? I, I go both ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it's about the strawberry, not the label. <laughs> okay. So what did you do this last time? Oh, we just we just ate them raw. You just ate them raw. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. That's good to know. Good to know. We made homemade ice cream Ooh, last night. How'd that go? Delicious. Um. I have to actually give props to my mother-in-law because she's the one really who made it. But we talk a lot about that with homemade ice cream because I'm a purist in that I just want just vanilla. I don't like branch out and add flavors to it or anything like that, which I'm sure is delicious. But I just can't. The vanilla is so good. Like I just can't risk it not being as good by adding you know, there's all sorts of things. Girl Scout cookies, strawberries, whatever. But we figured that the vanilla that she got was a cherry vanilla. So when mm-hmm. she added a little bit of vanilla into it, the extract, because I took a bite and I said, this tastes like cherry. And so she didn't mean to, mm-hmm. but she just got the wrong one. And it was delicious. Happy little accident right there. Happy little accident. (laughs) So I think I'm going to be more willing to branch out this summer. Oh, I am so proud of you. Thank you. Really branching beyond those Midwest roots. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's time. And, you know, I might be missing a lot. So it's time to go discover. So much discovery this weekend. Who knew? Who knew? So what are we talking about today? Again, you missed Monday Jokes with Mia. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's what we missed. Yes. All right. (laughs) Do you know why bikes can't balance without a kickstand? Why? Because they are too tired. That might be your best one yet. Thank you. Um, and that comes from a friend of the pod. So thanks to Molly. Shout out for the jokes. Nice. You know, I may have forgotten about this segment in the moment right now, but I actually received a, um, for Father's Day, this retail company sent out, their email that they sent out included a dad joke. Oh, lovely. And I I almost forwarded it to you to use for your jokes on Monday. I'm offended that it was an almost. Send it over. Come on. Okay. I'll send it over. Great. I'll send it over. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. So now. Now. What are we, what are we talking about? So um, we just had Juneteenth on Saturday, um, which was fantastic. You know, we have this federal holiday that's now recognized. We had... A bunch of local festivities. I know I attended the virtual Boulder County one, had some awesome speakers. Um, And it's about a year since we did our episode on the statements. So we had all these organizations writing about um, kind of their reactions to George Floyd's murder and commitments, commitments on what they're going to be doing coming going forward. So it felt like a good time to just sit back and reflect 
what's changed in the sector? What have organizations done? Are we seeing movement around racism and equity in the sector as a whole? Well, I can tell you that um, around that same time, the organization that I work for developed a training that we then offered to both the public um, and also to uh, individual or individual organizations and even some companies that wanted to do it internally. And there was huge interest for the first six months. I mean, like sold out, so to speak. It didn't really work like that. But mm -hmm. we had we offered these trainings in order to keep it um, intimate and a safe space for people. We didn't allow hundreds of people, right? We capped it. We had a limit and it would fill up so quickly mm -hmm. that it's like we couldn't even do enough um, if we wanted to. And that has slowed down considerably. Mm -hmm. Considerably. In fact, to the point that we had one scheduled for April and we just didn't have as many registrations that we need to make it work. Yeah. And so we postponed it to June and we were able to do it in June. But it just goes to show that um, like come March, April, May, there just hasn't been as much of an interest. Yeah, that initial fervor has kind of worn off a bit. Absolutely. I feel like I need to preface this conversation by saying that I'm um, currently in this moment feeling a little burned out on um, not on this topic, but on not seeing the progress I had hoped for, mm -hmm. um, you know, like just working with boards and dealing with the same questions and the same responses and the same obstructions to movement. Um, and, and it's been over the last few weeks that I think it's just been kind of wearing me down a bit. So where there has been progress in a lot of ways, I'm feeling like it's, it is certainly not sector wide. And I don't know that it's the lasting change that we were calling for. Well, I remember attending a, um, a rally about a year ago mm -hmm. and you know, we were like very much in the middle of the pandemic, or kind of the beginning of the pandemic, quarter of the way through, let's say. And everybody was still wearing masks, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody was really being in person. It was really people who were super passionate that wanted to show up. And um, one of my friends spoke at it at the protest. And I remember her saying, uh, she's a woman of color, and I remember her saying, and it really struck me, um, I'm not going to thank you for coming out today. Mm -hmm. I'm not. She was like, because what I want to see is, are you going to show up three months from now, yep. six months from now, a year from now? And then I might thank you. Mm -hmm. But just coming today when it's on the heels of such an egregious crime and you want to check a box, you know, to say that you did something, I get that. And that's not it. Mm -hmm. It's about continuing to show up. Yeah. And now here we are a year later and that just really resonates with me of like, oh, shit, like mm -hmm. she's 100% right. Yeah. How many people are still showing up? 
I was working with a group recently and um, I want to say it was almost split 50-50, like 50% people of color, 50% white folks, um, which incredible diversity for something like this. And we were talking about just some of the racism um, they were anticipating with some kind of public things they were doing. And one of the white women, I, I think she was genuinely being really open and vulnerable, saying that she she wants to do better. She wants to know what to say. She wants to be equipped and asked if um, I could recommend some books and podcasts and, you know, things to help her learn. I appreciated her vulnerability, right? She's in this setting where she didn't have to say that. She she could have sat right. there and figured it out on her own. And she raised her hand to say that she wants to do better. I so appreciate that. And on the other side, we are a year in yeah, to seriously. this racial justice movement where all you can find are book lists and podcasts and things to learn about. And this was like a week or two before Juneteenth. So it was all being published again and a year after George Floyd. So we're seeing it all again. Like, educate yourself. Like, there's a point at which it, I can give you all those lists and it requires you actually taking some goddamn fucking action to learn about it yourself. Well... Thank God she asked you and not a person of color. Yeah. And of course, that was not my response in the moment. But I like that's the stuff that I'm just getting really worn down by. I was working with a board and in a single statement, this board chair who works for an organization where racism is part of what they're working on said something incredibly racist, classist and fat phobic. I'm like, and you you're the chair. Right. Like, shouldn't you be modeling better behavior? Right. Shouldn't you have felt a responsibility to educate yourself at even a higher level so that you could be a leader right. for the rest of the board that you're serving? Exactly. Oh, I, yeah. And for all those reasons, I'm feeling burnt out. Well, I find it interesting. I mean, this is just anecdotal information, but, um, you know, some of the excuses I have heard from organizations that are, you know, really wanting to dive into this work is, oh, but we want to wait until we can do it in person because we just don't feel like it's a safe conversation to have virtually. Which means it's probably an even more unsafe conversation to have in person, especially if there are any people of color in the room. Yeah. Did you hear some of that this last year? I heard both that and a budget. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things have just been so tight with COVID that, you know, we just can't afford to do something like that. Right. Okay. Well, then you're going to continue to perpetuate harm probably through the work you're doing. So if you're okay with that, go ahead and skip the training. Exactly. Yeah. What other trends have you been seeing? Uh, Well, this morning before this recording, I went through my email and just – I was reading through some of the statements from last year that we received, um, and we, we talked about it very briefly on the podcast about, like, what was actually happening, and instead we focused more on, like, what they should include, which was, like, a call to action for the community and supporters, um, some transparency and commitment from the organization. What are they going to be doing internally to be addressing these these issues? Um, and then what their follow-up is going to be, what that ongoing transparency is going to be. But as I was reading through what came in my email, 
it was actually just a lot of theoretical things. Like, we believe in this. We are anti-racism. We believe that everybody deserves to be treated equally, which means accountability is much harder when you're just talking about big, broad, vague values. So what I was hoping to do was to go through that and be like, okay, here's what they said. What kind of transparency have they had? What accountability have they had? Well, there's nothing to hold accountable. Like right Right. now, organizations should be coming back and saying, here's what we've been doing over the last year. Here's what we're going to continue to do. But they didn't even put out the the ideas initially. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting that if you're going to make those broad strokes with your values, okay, which they all sound great, Mm -hmm. then it's just like we've been talking about this whole year, even with, you know, with fundraising and with anything really that then you need to filter everything that you're doing as an organization through those values and make sure that um, whether it's your fundraising or an event or um, your board selection process or your application process for you know hiring should all be in line with those values yes which means that this is not something that again you can just say, well, we put it out there, we took a training, done. Mm-hmm. It, it really needs to be reflected in everything that you do. And I have seen some organizations do that. Um, I saw one the other day, um, a job posting that they had, and just reading through the job description, it was very clear that they had adopted um, these policies, these ethical policies of inclusivity, anti-racism, that it was thread throughout the position, even though the position was not, their mission was not directly tied to this, right? Mm -hmm. And the position was not directly tied to something that has to do with anti-racist work. Mm -hmm. It was just like, this is a value of our organization And then um, I looked through the application process and the same. They had Mm. very, I I loved, they included a question of um, how do you define bias and how do you define inclusiveness in their application process? Yeah. To see, like, has the person who's applying actually done their work too? Mm -hmm. It's so great when you see those bright spots, right? Like yeah. the organizations that are really, like you're saying, it, it's ingrained in everything they do. It's not just looking through the program lens. It's how are we doing fundraising? How does our board operate? How do we onboard uh, candidates? All of that has to be reviewed through your values. Um, I, not to just like gripe on shit, but this just came to mind. Um, <laughs> you and I both... Uh, volunteer with an organization, Social Venture Partners. And the way it operates is we will get requests in through the community for specific projects. Sometimes it's even just like one-off questions that will come through. We've got these committees that review them. I sit on the board team. And so a request came in from a a former client of mine, a client I've had kind of on and off for years. I do a board retreat here or there. So I was like, oh, great. So good. So glad to see that they're reaching out to additional resources. The question that came in is one that I have answered emphatically for years. If they are an organization committed to equity, as they state very publicly, having a board minimum commitment goes against that. 
And yet, despite me saying it for years, they needed this organization to validate it, which also means they haven't gotten rid of it. Right. And it just pissed me off so fucking much. Like, I, I don't understand holding on to these things. I, I know it's scarcity. I know it's fear. I know it's the change management. But when you have somebody saying that they're, they're unequivocally, there is no way around it. Having any kind of board minimum contribution will exclude people. And therefore, you will not have an inclusive board. You will not have an equitable board. You will ensure that certain classes of people do not belong on your board. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, you know, I saw an organization the other day that's trying to hire for a position and they're, quote unquote, trying to hire for diversity. And they're having problems with it, right? Mm. Can't find candidates that are interested. And I think when that happens, you know, the first thought is like, well, how do we get this out to more people? All right, fair. Um, But it also has to be a reflection of what are you offering that would make a person of color want to work there? Right. (laughs) So, I mean, there needs to be some reflection work back of like, if you don't have people applying... Sure, maybe you need to look at where you're advertising it and, you know, that sort of thing. But there's also this kind of, all right, and have we, let's read through the job description again. Mm-hmm. What language are we using? What's our qualifications that we're putting? Yeah. How are we asking people to apply to this? Like, is this all welcoming at all? Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. Um, you know, I follow fundraising Twitter and it's been a buzz as of late because organizations continue to have practices in their hiring, which which is often one of the most public things organizations do without it going through the PR department always. Right? Right. Yes, that's so true. And so it, it's kind of like a backdoor way to see how the values are actually implemented. Interesting. You know, we can have that great statement on our website. We are anti-racist. This is what we do. But then in the job postings, you see, like, the realness. <laughs> right. And so fundraising Twitter has just been um, doing such a great job of very specifically calling out these organizations. And it, I would say the, the response is split, 50-50. Half of them are like, yep, we see it. We hear it. We are changing it. You'll see the new job posting by tomorrow. Wow. And the others that continue to defend and defend and defend. Um, There was one recently. I'm going to call it the organization because it's not even in the U.S. It was the London Symphony Orchestra. And they had so many people piling on and being like, why why do you require a bachelor's degree for this? And it was like it was a um, an orchestral position. Like if I can play the violin, does it matter that I also have a B.A.? Like, shouldn't it just be based on the skills? And all of these people. That's are, so true. Yeah. All these people are chiming in. And it was such a great example of this because organizations will defend their bachelor's degree requirements yeah. to the nth degree. This is the most clear example of when it really doesn't fucking matter. It does not fucking matter. And they they continue to double down. Wow. So I, I think now we're getting into the place where like job posting groups need to be screening for this stuff well thank god colorado passed the equal pay act and now employers are required to list the salary range 
Otherwise, we still wouldn't be listing salary ranges. Do you know what the unintended consequence of that is, though? What? Um, a ton, especially big corporations. But I've seen one nonprofit do this now, a national organization. Um, they will say, you know, this is a remote position. Anybody can apply except for Colorado. Are you serious? So they will, they would rather ban applicants from the state of Colorado than list the fucking salary. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Any of you who follow us on Facebook, I'll share a, a link this week to an article about how pervasive that is. And and it's big companies. It's it's Nike. It's Google. It's some big names who are just like, we'd rather not Colorado. Because they just don't want to list the, the salary. salary range. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we have a ways to go, people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think this is where the takeaways are important. So if you look back at your statement from last year, and it was one of those big, broad, theoretical values statements, here's your chance. Fix it. Well, I think even number one is look back at it. Yeah. Right? I guarantee there's so many people that, Sent, never looked at again, yeah. right? So now's a good time to review it, pull it back out. If it is those big, broad statements, then ask yourself, what did you actually do action-wise yes. throughout the year to reflect that? Mm-hmm. And and then revise it. And like you're saying, make a new one. Well, and put that out. So if you if you know of what you've actually done towards those values, share that. Yeah. This is, you know, another one of those shifts in fundraising mentality to more of a community-centric model. So you'll you'll tell your funders that shit when they ask. Tell your community that. Because yeah. they're the ones who've been funding you over the last year as well. You need to to be accountable to your community and tell them what you are doing to further these values within your organization and within your community as a whole. Well, I think not only that, but it's just modeling great behavior, right? And so your fellow organizations will see that too. Mm -hmm. And then they'll realize, oh, we should do something similar. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great time. Step up. Be transparent with what you've done. Make a plan for what you're going to do. Put it out publicly. Work with your with other nonprofits. I mean, there are some who have made incredible progress. Learn from them. And if you're one of them, tout it because others need to learn from you. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to this and it's been a year and you're still saying, I don't know how to educate myself, it's time to face the facts that you're using that as an excuse. Yeah. There's this this handy little tool um, called Google. Mm, Use uh-huh. it. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of resources. And for those of us who are white, it is a continual learning process. It's not like Absolutely. you read one book, check, done. I am now anti-racist. No, th- this has been ingrained in our brains since we were children. And so it's a continual relearning and unlearning and practice of this stuff. And you got to keep doing it. And it's such a such a personal journey. And, you know, I'm sitting here even listening to us speak and realizing all the shit I haven't done this last year, too. So this isn't like a blame game fully. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, it is to some extent, but it's also a reminder that even I need, you know, I mean, I feel proud of some things and I know how much more I could be doing. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great, um, a great opportunity to re-energize and re-engage and recommit. Mm -hmm. Well, and actually that's a great point too. Um, White folks, especially white leaders of organizations, find accountability partners like that. Mm -hmm. That is a helpful way for you to process some of this and not process it on like spewing it on your your black friends, your your friends who are people of color. Um, Find a white accountability partner and and continue the work. Um, Actually, my firm, we're starting a white fundraiser accountability group just for that purpose. We know that fundraising is so steeped in its historic beginning in white supremacy that there is so much to conceptualize and contextualize and figure out what needs to be dismantled, what can we hold on to, what needs to be shifted. And so having other white fundraisers to process that with and figure out how to integrate it, how to deal with the change management within your organization is what's going to make it really successful and feel less isolating. Because I, it also can feel really scary to be the person in your organization who's pushing for this and trying to drag everybody else along. I think that's such an awesome idea. Yeah. So found, find your people. We want to hear from you. You know, we didn't, we want to hear anecdotally how you feel things are going maybe within your own organization, organizations you volunteer for, you give to, uh, you work with, um, what is your consensus of it? Have you seen progress over the last year? Have you seen like a rush of progress and then things starting to slow down? And um, what are you recommitting to? Oh, I love that. Brittany, what are you recommitting to? Well, you know, we talked about our podcast last week that we were listening to. And I told you how I haven't, I've been behind because I haven't been commuting And now I'm commuting more. I'm going back into the office more often. And so I'm recommitting to some of the podcasts that I saved last year this time to listen to and then never got around to following. Or maybe I listened to one episode and that was it. And so I want to get back into listening to podcasts um, that are hosted and led by people of color um, and educate myself, continue to educate myself that way. What about you? I love it. You know, I was thinking I I read a lot of articles or I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who do this too. Like you send yourself all the articles. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting. I want to read this later. And then you never do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that, but I also read it and be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But then I forget about the next step of like, how can I make this change happen? Like, how can I be implementing these same kinds of concepts? How does this thing that's happening in this other sector actually apply in my work? And so I want to be much more intentional about taking the five minutes after digesting one of those and really thinking through what that looks like Um, and reading them right then and there. Instead of emailing myself to read it later, just do it. If it's that interesting, you can take the five minutes to read it now and figure out what this means. Yeah. And then how do you integrate some of those ideas into your life? Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so how can they let us know about what they're recommitting to? Yeah, please email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. I would love to hear from folks. Um, I'm sure after the 4th of July holiday, I'll be less burned out and more um, tuned in to all of the successes 
that are happening. So especially if you're having some of that, email us. If you're feeling stuck, email us. We want to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I know we've got um, some hilarious chats coming up soon that Brittany doesn't know about between us. So uh, make sure <laughs> to check it out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, and I will tell you, I hope you're less burned out too, but I always enjoy seeing you fired up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true this will get me every time i love to fi- i love seeing a fired up nia um but also don't forget it is important to financially support our local nonprofits nonprofits as well please give and give generously thanks folks we would like to thank our sponsors mission launch is a colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance you can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.